All right, we are recording. Welcome to the IEG Thursday thing, this thing we do every Thursday where we all kind of hang out, talk about what's going on in the world, um, what isn't going on in the world, and sometimes we have a guest. And this week we do have a guest, which is pretty awesome because he's going to talk about something I am pretty terrible at. Um, we brought on Drew Hackett from Penguin Garage. Um a autocross nut job and uh a expert in all things goofy an fittings drew how you doing bud doing well sweet so let's talk real quick last week was your biggest event of the year was it not uh yeah uh to say the least uh so what what is what what is what happened last week give us a Give us a quick rundown, and we'll we'll go from there. All right. So every year uh, around the Labor Day week is SCCA Solo Nationals, where everybody who can get in uh, comes to Lincoln, Nebraska, and they get two days of racing, three runs each day. So you get a total of six runs, and your two fastest times from each course is how you did for the whole year. Essentially there was 1,278 drivers at this event. 1,200 people there competing. Yeah. So how do you get into solo nationals? One doesn't simply just say I'm bored. I'm going to solo nationals this week. I'm assuming that you have to qualify for it. Do you not? No. So no, big, Correct. So the big, the big show or whatever they want to call it, anybody can register for. And the intention from that is they want people to experience it before they're super crazy good because there is so many of that 1,278 people. There's not that many trophies. So there's a lot more people that are slower than the top pointy end. And you still really enjoy it. Even if you're not at the pointy end of the sport. Uh, so there isn't a requirement for the, they call it the tour. Now, the Sunday and Monday before Solo Nationals, they do the pro solo, of the final pro solo of the year. And that one you do need to qualify for. because it's. A what is the difference between pro solo? Is that when they do a mirrored course? They do the mirrored course with a drag start with the lights. And they okay. clock your 60 foot and... Uh, So you do like the left side first, and then you immediately go to the right side. So right after it against the same person, and then your times are added together. And they actually do like a shootout at the end where like it's heads up, where if you hit a cone on your run during your heads up, you're just out. And and you end up with the final winner. It's it's super wild, but it's a little more intense. And since it goes so much quicker, you kind of need the experience of pro solo to be at the big show for that. So you have to have qualified for the pro solo. Okay, so pardon my, um, so what, what you were competing in was solo. So that's essentially um, the biggest event of the year that of people who normally are in like school parking lots and things like that, dodging cones in a parking lot, which are usually ran by local SCCA clubs. This is ran by the national SCCA, I'm assuming. Like, not it's on a national level. This is the big one, correct? Right. So the big 
SCCA as a whole, their main uh, group runs this event. And yeah. it's at Lincoln Air Park, which if anyone's bored and they're staring at Google Maps, you can Google Lincoln Air Park and find the course. It is absolutely massive. It's And they run two courses on this path. It's huge. They basically park P-52s and you know fighter jets and stuff on here when they it's not in use it's just this massive concrete that is some of the best concrete in the country in terms of grip in terms of how it well it performs people drive all the way from oregon and south florida to come to this event simply because of the surface and we're talking Lincoln, Nebraska. So it Correct. is Nebraska already is kind of flat in its own and it is fairly remote. So this is out there, but it is fairly center of the country. Correct. And they've so, done, they've, they've done, they kind of try to do that for the big event. They used to do Kansas. Yeah. Uh, and like that was a mess because of, it was like super sandy or dusty for some reason. And is it Kansas? Well, it isn't SCCA based out of Kansas? I think they're actually right near Heartland Motorsports Park. That's where it used to be. Yeah, They used to run nationals there, um, but yeah. they got an opportunity to do Lincoln. And if anyone has done the search for it yet, you'll understand why. It's such a nice site. And one of the coolest things about it is simply the amount of people that are there. So when you show up and you pull in, uh, with your trailer or just driving your car or with, an, or with an RV and you go to paddock, like you have a parking spot that you've been designated either by the group that you run with or the region you run with, or you've assigned one yourself. And they're like massively wide. There's like 30 or 40 spots per row. And they went all the way back to row, I think 37 this year, 38. Oh damn. So like <laughs> it's like it's like a two mile walk from yeah. the back row all the way to the where the actual courses are. And it's just packed with people. It's it's abs- it's a, a site in of itself. I'll share a link if I can find it. So somebody let's, dry, let's like, talk a, up. a little bit about what you do. Okay. Yeah. So um First off, your your day job is you're the owner of Penguin Garage, and you basically are a uh, um, you're a shop and kind of a race uh, prep kind of kind of place. Is my understanding correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Our, and, we also we source parts for anything and everything. You know, yes. with what you need, we can get. Um, but our main focus is trying to help people get ready for for races. Well, well, I it, you have saved my ass on multiple occasions, <laughs> multiple occasions. I, I like your phone calls. I need this. Uh... <laughs> I need the the I need the finger to connect to the humjigger dealy with the little. It's got an O ring and a and it's round and it's about this big, and somehow the right fitting shows up. I I, I it, literally the phone calls are about like that. that. <laughs> so it's uh. It's it's pretty. You're no. I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can't now. I lost you for a minute there. Oh, maybe you hit some bad internet. Either way, yeah. Usually the the right fitting shows up. You've you've saved my butt on multiple occasions, especially when it's a very odd fitting. I know uh, Dylan, who's in the chat, appreciates the living hell out of you, um, <laughs> because it, it's there's we just need some really goofy stuff for Boogie, and you know if anybody else is doing. Um, it, you know, Drew's background is in Subarus, but if you need, uh, 
if you need weird AN fittings, you're going to have a hard time finding a better person to get them from than Drew. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yep. It's, it's super awesome. But so you do now let's talk about what you actually race. So you have a GD, uh, I'm 05 STI, I think is what year it is. Yeah. Okay. And you run in what's called street modified within, um, uh, within, in the SCCA, like the solo rule set. And what's really funny is you and I both run in a class called street modified, but yours is pretty damn different than mine. So uh, give me a rundown of like, what is a street modified car in, in solo? Like what, what is yeah. the kind of concept of your car? So street modified in short is who's your a sevens. Uh, you're open on any suspension as long as it doesn't change mounting points. Engines are completely open. You can do engine swaps to V8s or rotaries or keep the EJ, whatever you want. Uh, there's front splitter allowances, um, specific sizes and stuff. Um, wings are pretty open. Uh, you got to have a certain step back and it can't be more than six inches above. And there's certain square inch you can do, but it's a big wing. Um, most people in the class run 315s or bigger uh, in terms of tires. And the is there any cars, is there any rules about tire width? No. Uh, okay. Whatever, whatever Hoosier makes, we can. Can you? Is so okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna smack you with a bunch of questions here, real quick, because I just kind of yeah. want to understand. Um, as far as like suspension goes, are you allowed two, three, four way, whatever, just as long yep. as it's suspension mounting points? That's cool. And I'm assuming they consider a suspension mounting point like a drop knuckle would change that because they consider the inner and the outer a suspension mounting point. Nope, it's only at the chassis. Oh, well, hell, that opens up all sorts of fun shit, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. We got now, build, we got build what, couples, we got custom. What about, what about a roll center adjustment kit? Uh, so roll center's fine because... Or not roll center, an anti-lift kit. So anti-lift kit changes the housing, which mounts to the chassis, which is the point. But you can do... So this is where SCCA gets fun. <laughs> uh, for a GD specifically, the Forester SG is on the same line as the GD for a different class, which means for street modified, anything on a Forester is fine on the SDI. They have a different factory like rear control arm mount, which actually lowers it a little bit. So it gives it kind of the anti-lift kit properties. Sure. And we can run those legally on the GD because it's a factory part that's on the same line. Uh, but if I were to take like a white line piece, I would get bumped out of. Okay, mod. so they could they do consider that a, a yeah. like a a mounting point then. So these are well, these are just small this. things that like the SCCA has always been what they consider a mounting point. And, you know, like things like that have always been kind of strange, at least to yeah. me from my background. And what's really funny is when you have somebody coming from SCCA and they look at like the Wild West that's going on over in like Grid Life or GTA or something like that. They're like, I can't believe all this shit's allowed. Like, <laughs> You guys right. are nuts. Um, well, but your I mean, the Grid Life kind of mentality 
not that it's bad by any means, is it's just bleeding into, it's bleeding into the SCCA. There's a new class called XA, which is extreme sport all-wheel drive, essentially, or fat, I guess, because there's a higher min weight. It's entirely open unless yeah. you have all you need is a quote unquote finished interior and you have a minimum <laughs> weight of 3180 with driver and 200 treadwear tire. That's basically the only That's it. And then throw down, huh? Street Mod this year only had 11 drivers. Previous really? So, like 18, 20. XA so it, had 35. Okay, so, so are, that, that mentality. So so the SCCA is starting to go, okay, maybe our rule book is a little convoluted. One of the reasons that I took, I veered towards Time Attack what, it, when I wanted to start doing more competition-oriented stuff is the rule book was way yeah. simpler. And yeah. also the approach to the rule book is easier. And the SCCA, the rule book kind of is, if it's not... In the rule book, it's not legal. And then with grid life, it's the total opposite. If it's not in the rule book, if there's not a rule specifically against it, consider it legal. Yeah, the SCCA goes along the lines of we list what you can do. Yes. And if it's versus not there, what you can't not do. Allowed. Yeah. And that has its merit in what the Oh, SCCA by all means. Does. It, like, how, so, it's ridiculous how how you can have so many different cars show up and, and you know, the, the split on an autocross course will be like within a few tenths, you know, it's unreal. Right. And so just to touch on, I did a little searching for accounts on the event. There were 72 Subarus at the, out of the 1200 something. That well, that's there. what I was going to get at. And it's the spread is wild. So mostly it's in street classes. So yeah. there was 20 BRZs and or 19 BRZs and one WRX in D Street, okay. which is a completely stocked class uh, to an extent. You can yeah. do shocks, one sway bar, and wheels and tires, as long as they're the same width as factory and within like seven millimeter offset. Yeah. But tire width is un is unrestricted. So you can run as big a tire or small tire as you want. People tend to find the happy medium for the stock eight inch or eight and a half inch wide wheels. So got, it, what, what we're controlling tire width with is your OEM wheel itself. Wheel width, yeah. Yeah. And the new 200 treadwear does not like to be pinched. No, not at all. Not. I, I, it's actually, the, you see what I'm doing since right. they actually limit the width. You know, I'm running a, it, and this would be polar opposite for what you'd see on, on some of these SCCA cars. I'm running a 10 and a half inch wheel with a 255. On the SCCA right. cars, you'll see guys trying to run an eight and a half inch wheel with a two fifty five, <laughs> right, or smaller. Yeah, those just to try to cram more tire in there. Which, yeah. look, if you can find time, there, it's not wrong, you know. Exactly, and it's kind yep. of the rule set limitation kind of game. Like yep. it's hard to compare multiple disciplines when one of them has a literally a restrictor on the turbo. It's like, yeah, you're not going to yeah. get more than three hundred horsepower, um, but it's just super cool for autocross purposes. Like, cause the street classes, they have a, or sorry, S S S A S and then all the way to HS. And it's stacked full of people because it's easy to get into. Yep. I mean, you could essentially buy a car that's already been built by somebody else, or you just go get a new one and do like 
a couple thousand dollars worth of crap to it, and now you're competitive. Well, that's so, that's kind of the nice thing about the SCCA too is, and and again, talking about time attack because it's it's mm-hmm. its own weird chasm, and I'm not I and I know there's a lot of comparison going on, but I'm fairly insulated in street mod from some pro drivers showing up in a mildly prepped car and whopping the floor with right. me. But if you can drive and you before you go purchase a car, you maybe go look at where are these cars showing up within a. Uh, um, you know, uh, a particular autocross class. And if you wanted to get competitive really quick, you could buy a very competitive car really fast and, and, and maybe go to nationals and, and win something. If, if you can actually drive, what would be holding you back is yourself, not your car. And, and that's kind of the, the wild part too, about nationals is the guys that are really, really good show up. So, well, I mean, it's, it's, (laughs) <laughs> to give you an idea of time, this is just before we get to in the in the weeds. Yeah. Um, I I was right driving my Corolla because my Subaru is broken. Okay. <laughs> I ran a one twenty one, which is not a terrible time for both days. There was a bone stock two thousand Miata that ran three seconds faster than me. Like holy crap! Like this yeah. guy would have placed really well against a bunch of four hundred horsepower Subarus. And it's yeah. not because the course is designed for a Miata. It definitely wasn't. It's just there's some guys that have been driving bone stock Miatas for longer than we've been alive. And yeah. it's like how um, – it's just wild to watch. They can extract speed. There is – autocross – now, I'm not saying that there isn't – You know, say you're a good driver on a road course or a good driver in autocross that it doesn't transition over – but I will say there is a particular skill set with autocross that you have to have a particular mentality to yeah. not only pick the track up really fast, but um, or the particular course really fast. But you you have to be able to adapt in like a split freaking second. One of the other things yeah. I thought was very cool, too. And this is kind of also very interesting to autocross. If you want to be competitive, especially on the national level. It's very rare that you're going to see somebody just driving their own car and that's it. What you tend to see is two people driving the same car because you're trying to keep heat in the tires and keep the car warmed up and ready to go. So it's basically kind of hot lapping. Am I wrong in saying that? No. Uh, So it's, I wouldn't say hot lapping, um, but. At the at nationals, it's not so. Like at a local, yeah. if you have a hundred people and you've got so, if you have a hundred people, get split into two or three heats. You have between thirty and fifty people per heat. Sure. That means you have to wait fifty cars before you run again. If you have two drivers, you only have to wait twenty five cars before your car moves again. So yes. you can maintain some heat in the tires. At nationals, the run groups are like seventy cars. So if you don't have a two driver car, you're waiting you know, 60, 70 cars before it's your turn again. So if you now, have a second driver, it cuts that time a lot. Are you allowed to you do like three I, or four driver cars? Not in the same heat. No, it's, okay. it's restricted to two. And there's ways like there's rules about surprise uh, about tire warming. Like you can't sure. do a burnout. Well, like you can't have electric tire warmers. You can have yeah. active warmers. So if what you have fuck? tire blankets, like you can put tire blankets over the top of the tires, but they can't be. But they can't be like a heated element. Correct. And if it wraps all the way around the car, which some people do, 
the car has to be off when it's wrapped around. <laughs> so you can't use like engine like, heat to like right. heat your tires. That's right. funny. But now uh, the funny thing is the new 200 treadwear tires, they yeah. overheat. So people are dousing these things between runs, especially if they have two drivers. Oh, so I'm sure. Me, especially those like driver, like an AO52 or something like that. Those things might as well be they're they're Arcoms. They're like OG Arcoms. They're they're not 200 treadwear tires. They're they're more like 70 to 80 treadwear tires with 200 stamped on the side. So yeah, yeah. And uh, how are they as far as uh, speed compared to like you running like a Hoosier A7 on your your car? So uh, Street Mod, to give you an idea, uh, their fastest driver in Street Mod ran a 110. Okay. which was flying. Um, yeah. He ran a 110 and then STU, which is a modified car class without bigger turbo, stock size turbo. They ran a 114. Uh, and then XA, who is, you know, they can do whatever they want. That's they, whatever they want, but with a street tire. With a street tire, they ran a 113. So okay. it's a one and a half second game going yeah. to Hoosiers. Still, even though the A7 is like 20 years old at this point, that's interesting. Cause it, and but we are talking an A7, not an R7. So, um, yeah. like what what they the ended R7, up finding out, and uh, like the GLTC also. guys, um, the GLTC guys ran into uh, the uh, the they found out that a 200 treadwear tire um, would come on fast. And then end up putting a bunch of space on before the R7s get enough heat into them mm-hmm. um, to then be able to like run them down. But um, lap times, like just raw performance and lap time, depending on if it was early or late, um, was really similar. But I, I yeah. it sounds like the uh, the A7s uh, a different animal. Yeah, the A7 is its own beast. Um, yeah, you know. It's, Do, does it's anybody ever try anything cool. outside of Hoosier, or is it just like? If you're getting slicks, you're getting Hoosiers. Uh, for so we've only really talked about the street classes. Once yeah. you get to modified, you can run a true slick, like a true racing slick, not a DOT slick. Yeah. So street mod technically needs to be a DOT tire. So, yeah. Uh, but once you get to the mod classes, they'll run Goodyears or Avons or just whatever um, the hell. Hoosiers. Yeah. That is like a true slick tire that. You know, if you drove it on the street for 10 miles, they'd, they'd freak the fuck out. Um, but, but yeah, no one in street mod or any of the street prepared classes really run anything but Hoosiers now. Yeah. You know, 15 or 20 years ago, almost, people were running a Kumo V710. Yep. Which was a inexpensive, within, a, within about a half second of a Hoosier. Uh, they lasted longer, too, which is why they're attractive. But they stopped making those. So, you know, it's, it's all, it's a seven or nothing. And the a seven so, aren't, aren't that more expensive than the AO 52s. You know, I'm, it's still yeah. two grand a set once you do three fifteen. Yep. So once you, once you step it up, that's what you're looking at. And they don't so, last longer either. So like, no, no, they don't. Not at all. 60 runs. They're good for about 60 runs before they fall off. They'll cord at like 75 or 80 runs. Uh, the AO 52s fall off at, 70 runs so yeah you're not it's not like you're getting this monstrous dan's like at least you don't have to run rt660s i mean yeah well there is you 
you you say that required to run six sixties. Uh, I, I I think that's what Falcons thing is now because I'm I'm kind of mad at that tire. I don't know if you've heard, but um, yeah. either way, like I I I have no problems with being forced to run a particular tire as long as everybody is forced to run that. And if you have an all-wheel drive Subaru, a crampier tire may work to your advantage. But um, yeah. one of the things that's that actually kind of brings me to my um, an interesting point: Subarus tend to be very competitive in autocross at least mm-hmm. all-wheel drive ones well i you say that and then the brz is also fantastic too um yeah. so like performance subarus tend to be um competitive within autocross um extremely competitive when within autocross it's not like uh i'll be the first to tell you in time attack um one of the reasons i love you, you, I love grid life as you see all different types of cars. Um, right. but it, it's, it's hard when you're modifying, you know, uh, something that was originally designed to take grandma to the grocery store in the middle of the winter or something based off of that versus, you know, a full blast, uh, you know, performance vehicle, something like a Corvette, um, that was designed from the ground up to be a race car. You know, and we're dealing with four struts, you know, a, a fairly high center of gravity comparatively aerodynamically just gross. But when you're talking about autocross, um, most of that gets thrown out the window. And the like, because of the way the classing works, uh, Subarus tend to be very competitive. So if, if you are really in love with a Subaru um, and you you want a fair fight, um, you would uh, you you'd be doing yourself a disservice by not looking into this. I mean, how many Subarus did you see there? And again, this is a national event, so everybody's bringing their best guns. There was I I, I probably I personally probably saw sixty five or so. Um, That's crazy. I was there. I was there all week. So we showed up on Sunday afternoon. Uh, so I organized the paddock parking for the Iowa region. Uh, yep. Iowa DMVR region and Great River region. For some reason, Iowa has three SCCA regions. Doesn't make sense. It is what it is. Uh, and I organized the paddock for all of us, and so that everyone has a spot and everything. So I, we, me, and my friend Eric show up super early so that we can make sure everything's organized. So we got to see everybody come in. Um, but to your point about seeing everything, you know, the XA. Um, Top three in XA this year was a 04 STI, a 2011 Lotus Evora, and then a 2006 um, Mitsubishi Evo. Like that was one, two, three. And yeah. Fourth place was a BMW 325i. So it's That's, a hugely, you know, diverse group yeah. that is running. Uh, but how do they decide the who, who who sits down and decides what goes into what you know, class? D Street is mostly. Uh, the twins, the new ones, but yeah. there is Type R's. Um, there is the Launcher N, surprisingly good in D yeah. Street. It got it got fifth place, although the guy driving is kind of a maniac, so I understand. Uh, but then you look at the wild class of C Street, which is literally all ND2 Miatas. That's it. Yeah, I mean, there was a the hundred percent of the class was. I mean, I think there was one. ND1 Miata, and it was 56 cars. 
So it was 56 Miatas, basically all on Bridgestones, um, autocrossing together. It's so there's diversity when you look at the whole thing, but there are some classes that are very, you know, niche because that's just what's competitive for those classes. Yeah. So um, who? Because it's not fair to pin like a Miata against a Subaru because yes. some, sometimes it's course dependent. Sometimes you can dig out of a corner or sometimes it's a momentum course. So like, that's why they kind of split up the classes, even though the C street Miata would have done just fine. And, you know, a lot of other classes. So, so who is, who is the, uh, who decides like what goes into what class? Who, who's, who's the, the gatekeeper who, who, when a new car comes out, goes, yeah. this probably needs to be in there. And how often do that, does this happen and them go, yeah, it's really not competitive in there. Let's move it or yeah. let's bump it up. This is dominating this. Like you just said, it was a nothing but Miata class. Um, right. Like who, who makes these decisions? So there's a lot of, now this is not going to be a surprise to anybody, but there's a lot of committees and there's a Imagine lot of board of executives <laughs> and everything. Um, the main one's called the SEB, which is the solo events board. And they, any new car that comes out, they'll place it in a class where they think it's going to fit without throwing everything out. You know, they don't want to make a new car an overdog where everyone has to buy this new car to be competitive. Uh, that happened to the Corolla. So they pinned the Corolla, the GR Corolla in D street with the twins and all the other WRXs and STIs, uh, the type R kind of, kind of fits and makes sense. Well, the GR Corolla won its first event, like the entire event, it got first place overall. And okay. they immediately moved it to B street, which is Supra's and Cayman's and a bunch of other really fast cars. Cause it was, they were afraid it was too fast for the class. Yeah. So if they run into an overdog like that, like they will act super fast because they don't want, you know, people to try and track down, especially a low volume car, like the Corolla to like try to get an edge. Cause people will, cause people are. Well, nuts. yeah. And not only that, that'll like, a Corolla that's supposed to be a forty thousand dollar car. People will pay sixty for it. You know that's ridiculous. Right. But the there is the guy who did this to us in the Corolla uh, came to nationals and he did very well. He was second in his class in the B Street class against. He was just behind a Supra. Um, so the guy can fucking wheel. There's no question there. Um, yeah. But so so once you get so talking about how things work again, once you're in a class. Each class has its own, um, they call them ACs. I think it's advisory committee. I think is what it stands for. Uh, so each one has its own. And those ones help decide rule sets and rule changes. And you have to write letters. Like literally it used to be a letter that you would mail. Now there's a web form you can fill out to, to write a letter. And those letters get to these committees and the committees go, yeah, we don't give a shit. Thank you for your, thank you for your input is like their main thing they do so there's a couple guys that have their license plates that say t-y-f-y-i like thank you for your input because they just ignore us all the time yeah and we've been trying to change street mod so that it doesn't die and for years now uh, the biggest hindrance in street mod is the bumper beam uh, we have to use the factory bumper beam uh, and it's hugely detrimental to only subaru and specifically yeah. only the GD Subaru, if we're being nitpicky. 
um, because the GC can wiggle stuff around. The VA, the GR, and the VA have more space. The GD just gets boned. And so, so care. what is it about the bumper beam? Like, is it you can't fit a big enough intercooler? Is it a cooling right. problem? Is it just weight? Like, what what's the problem? Uh, we can't fit a front mount. So okay. the only way to fit a front mount up there is to remove the AC, put the front mount where the AC was, and then either pinch a radiator behind it, which makes it really tight. You don't get a lot of airflow out, and you're super close to the header now. Or you run a trunk-mounted radiator, which was my alternative. Um, yeah. So, you know, I spent a ridiculous amount of money. I love how you're, you're, they're like, uh, you have to keep your front bumper beam. But For for, yeah. yeah, for safety, but you're allowed to throw a freaking. You're allowed to modify your car to the point where you put a rear-mounted radiator. Correct, with you know 200 degree fluid, like 15 inches from my back. You know, like that's super safe. Um, it, yeah, that's kind of the stuff that's super annoying, which is one of the reasons we're seeing uh, what I'm calling an exodus, which is people moving to XA, uh, is because these limitations now are they're becoming uneconomical for a lot of people uh, because people don't want to do custom shit. Let's be honest. Like you want to be able to find parts that fit and install parts that fit. And then, you know, down the road, if you want to take your ETS front mount and rotate the, the intake and run a different turbo and, you know, shorten the piping. Sure. But the first time you do it, you don't want to spend four grand making it fit, you know, or like finding somebody to custom make stuff. So it's, It's a big hindrance on getting people in. And honestly, the biggest issue that I see with the current structure of street mod is that it scares people away because they come in going, oh, I haven't done that many mods to my car. I'll be with other street cars. And then we're like, no, you have a bigger turbo. Now you're playing with my car or you're with an Audi that's on. So street mod turned into almost a catch-all? It used to always be the catch-all. Yeah. Like that's where everybody would end up essentially. Like if there was for a while, probably only a couple of years ago, blow off valves weren't allowed in most classes. So like if you had a blow off valve, you got bumped to street mod. That's, and a lot of that PCA so guys are super sticklers. They're like, yep, you got to go. It's like, yep, this is what's up. Like, you know, he's not going to be fast. This is his first time here. Yeah. Her first time here. They're not going to be competitive. Like, there's like nine people in the history of autocross that were competitive their first time. Like, yeah. <laughs> like literally. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's, so. it's not so it, it's hard to explain. I'm trying to figure out how I want to approach this, but long story short, one doesn't simply just be good at autocross. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Correct. It's, yeah. It, it is, it is a uh, kind of a, a, um, learned, uh, skill set. Um, and I have noticed that and, and not that it doesn't take a ton of skill, but it's just drastically different than your typical performance driving in some ways. That's why like we were having a conversation about a guy, he's talking about oil pans and stuff like that. And it, honestly, like some of the movements and crazy stuff that you guys do, it's so drastically violent compared yeah. to um, you know, other forms like it, it, again, even time attack, we're hauling ass, crazy big power, you know, arrow, whatever. But the corners tend to be more sweeping. Um, even mm-hmm. tight corners for us are uh, comically huge for you guys. Um, right. and and it's 
you guys are are going, you know, full tilt boogie down to damn near a complete stop first gear, you know, hairpins and things like that. We're not doing that. Um, so so national. So big thing. I just want to cut you off here. Sure. Nationals, like big events, in most of the bigger regions, you'll yeah. never find a first gear corner. Like everybody okay. hates first gear corners. The only reason you see those are because small lots. Yeah. So if you if you don't have a choice but to slow people down that much, at nationals, like we had our last corner on the west course was a slow down right hander that was more than ninety degrees. And I think the lowest I saw was like 26 or 27 miles an hour. And that's still second gear pinning it and getting out of it. Yeah. Um, but most of it, you're at the top of second. Um, and in my STI, we've geared my STI to run 72 miles an hour in second on purpose. Because yeah. you're in the meat of like 50, you know, mid 50s to 70 miles an hour for the majority of the course. Sure, that makes sense. At, at so, if you, so ba- yeah, so you your goal is basically stick the thing in second. Pray to God you don't need to use anything else. Correct, and that's what we've geared it for. So we geared yeah. it for. I do. I have a three fifty four front pinion with a one to one center and a three fifty four rear diff. So my second gear just goes forever. So. so this is another thing that like it's it's dread it, how you would approach modifying your vehicle. You know, because again, you're you're trying to make the most out of second gear. Let's let's put it that way. Right. Um, you would be looking at you need to be looking at the bottom of your power band just as much as you are the top. Like in in mm-hmm. my situation, I don't really have to worry about anything below five thousand RPM ever. Right. Ever. Right. But you would. So you have mm-hmm. to think things like like uh boost threshold mean the world to you. Peak power actually means significantly less than if you can get a a turbo coming on 500 RPM sooner for you is night and day when I might not even notice it. Yeah. And so one of the things that I try to do, and I've been in the Subaru world for a really long time, is ask questions about people's builds and like what they're doing. Yep. Because it matters so much. Like, hey, I'm going to autocross, but I don't really care about it is totally different than I'm going to autocross and I want to be Tim White or I want to be Kenny Roller who just won D Street. Like, holy shit. Okay, that's totally different. Like, yeah, we're going to approach this with a different mentality than, oh, I'm building a purpose car. I'm building a fun car that might see autocross sometimes. Or, you know, I used to get this all the, you know, I'm building a, uh, uh, you know, a street car that might see autocross, but, you know, mostly I use it. it. How you would approach that is so drastically different. Um, yeah. cause they're and looking for an experience car, you know, not right. raw time, like hundreds of a second mean the world in an autocross course. Mm-hmm. And that's the, and that's kind of the intention too, is like, you kind of sit down and figure out what, where you want to be. And cause we can build a car and IG and everybody, everybody can build a car that does really well at track days, time attack and autocross. You can do it. But you're going to be a little bit short of the pointy end in, in both of them. Yeah, you, like you're, you're going to make compromise unless you are to focus. Right. You know, you and can make a car that's like that. of the, you know, let's say the top 80th percentile across the board. But yeah. you're you're if you want to win and you're against other people who are trying to win, 
then you need to build for that discipline. And how you build that within autocross is different than how you would build it for, say, time attack or or something else, you know, um, hill climbs, you know, drag mm-hmm. racing. It, it, it Just how you would approach that is so drastically different. Um, don't get me Mother- wrong. A lot of the same principles apply. But, like, one of the things that you guys, I, I tend to see, especially within the suspension side of stuff, is where I'm looking for stability, you know, mm-hmm. you guys are actually looking to almost upset the car so you can get it to rotate a ton harder. One of the things I, I saw, you tend to see a lot with um, autocrossers and like closer to stock classes is them unhooking the front sway bar to try to promote oversteer. Um, that's something I'd never recommend somebody doing on a road course. Uh, but it, I it 100% understand why you would do that within autocross. So with the big, the cool, one of the cool things about autocross, in my opinion, is like when you get to the pointy end, people are doing some weird shit. You wouldn't see anybody else do. Uh, yes. Like, and it's crazy. They'll, stuff. Run, they'll run like a, an absurd amount of like rear toe, like toe yeah. out just to get the car to step or rotate off throttle. So like, yeah, we've all done this before where you have your alignment screwed up and you're pinning it and it's so much fun. It's loaded up. It does what you want. You let go and it just snaps. You know, yes. like, oh, that's the problem. And you go to your alignment guy and you're like, he's like, wow, what'd you do? What'd you hit? <laughs> There's autocrossers that do that on purpose because they yeah. want it to, they need to get it to rotate because they don't have any other modifications they're allowed to do. Yes. To get that rotation. So like they can't change spring rate or they can't add a limited slip differential. Like there's. So what they you, do so you gotta instead. Be listening to what people say on the internet sometimes because someone's like, oh yeah, I run this. It's like, yeah, but why? Yeah, you know, are you exactly. And what, or, well, or, I mean, oh, yeah. I run a 255 on an eight and a half inch wheel, but yeah, that's because you're limited within your class. Right. You know, like, and there's nothing wrong with that. Should you do that or not do that? Sure. Um, that's, that's a whole different conversation, but should somebody who maybe doesn't have those limits or somebody who maybe does have those limits and, uh, you know, somebody from outside of that, like me trying to tell somebody with, uh, you know, a limit of an eight and a half inch wheel, what size tire they should run. Mm -hmm. Who the hell am I? You know, like I, I I can help them to a certain extent, but I gotta be real. I'm. I'm not an autocross genius. You know, I can I I can help you make a, a really wide power band, you know, things like that. But when you get into intricacies of class, you better mm-hmm. start talking to people who have ran that class or right. you know, you do it yourself and start trying to get an understanding of how things work. And honestly, that's the my opinion anyway, my experience in the in the autocross Subaru world is once you get to the point where you need to ask questions and you know the questions to ask, there's people there. Yeah, you know, there's people that know and they're not, there's people gatekeeping some stuff, but a lot of people are super open about, oh yeah, man, try this tire pressure. Oh, what's your damper set at? Like, are you yep. two way? You know, can we change the compression right now? And it's crazy that you would think we're battling this guy for a tenth of a second. For the and last trophy spot, and he's like, and he's oh, man, more than you're happy. Not, you're not, you're not, you're going too late on the slalom. Like, turn in sooner. You're like, holy shit, that's like a two tenth gain just there. Like, why did he tell yep. me that? 
you know, and it's just, it's super cool. A time attack's not different, you know. Time attack, you'll get the same really... thing, but then it, it's almost like the more similar the cars are and the more competitive it is, the less likely they're going to be to tell you that. And I, I, that's the same way in time attack. Let's go yeah. down to like Sunday Cup or even Club TR. I can mm -hmm. tell you during the event, um, because the cars are so similarly modified, and this is nothing. I don't want anybody to take this against, say, like Dana or, um, um, you know, uh, you know, some of the rest of the guys in that class. Peter, let's say Peter and Dana, since they have cars that are extremely similar, I can tell you Dana is not going to show video to Peter during the event. Now, after the event, mm -hmm. by all means, and the the difference with a with time attack is um, the, the track won't change, you know, maybe the temps and right. stuff will change, but like if it's a line or approach difference, that's something that that track will be there next year and you can attempt that. But mm -hmm. um, with autocross, like I, I think like, let's talk about that, that group of Miatas that were all like on top of each other. Okay, yeah. they're all in essentially the same car. I bet you there's a little less sharing going on there. Um, no, there's still a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, the other thing too with those cars, though, I mean, again, it's the thing is like if me telling you that you're doing something wrong makes you faster, you should you would have learned that on your own. Like that's true. Like, well, I'm not gonna sit here and tell. I don't being at nationals or being at a local like since this course is never going to change or i mean sorry is never going to exist again yeah you're never going to see it i want you to drive it right i want you to enjoy it like if by I all means the same but cone, let's say like, like a car setup thing instead of like a line situation how about like a car setup thing like um be, and, and again, I don't think you're going to see that as much in the class that you're running because you have a fairly widespread of cars. So I bet you guys are yeah. really open with information as opposed to a class that is pretty much comprised of all one vehicle. I have a feeling at the event, they'd be a lot less apt to tell each other what tire pressures they're running. You know what I mean? They, well, I think they're not, they're not going to advertise it, but yeah. if you went up and if you went up and asked, they'd probably either. yeah they they'd come off as a cock if they didn't tell you at that point yeah. but they're not going to be like you know if anybody needs setup ideas come talk to me right. but then again more than likely that's not the guy who's winning either so well, um, also, the joke there too is like find out your tire pressure like you're not always next to your car we got six we got 60 cars going like you just lean over and put your tire pressure gauge next to their tire so <laughs> It's true. <laughs> if you really wanted to find out, you could, but yeah, um, you know, normally people are super open about it. Now there's yeah. like, you're not wrong about, you know, if you're literally battling with someone and the, you don't like them or they're a dick or whatever, like, yeah, you're not, you don't have to help them, but there's a lot of, especially when you get to the mod classes, like cart mod, which is the shifter carts and you get to demodified, sure. which is 1.3 liter turbo engines or K twenties and these like little Lotus seven yeah. type things like everybody is helping everybody uh until someone oh. becomes a dickhead and then you're exactly. just like you're gonna run into dickheads no matter what and i mean there's dickheads in in every organization there's dickheads in grid life and nobody will help them um but, but the then you but then the flip side of things like 
I, I'll be the Peter and Dana are good buddies. You know what I mean? And they just, the reason I'm pulling them out is because they have very similar cars. Or let's talk about Sunday cup. I have a feeling if somebody were to make a change, they think is going to really help and it's going to get them near the podium or on the podium or maintain their lead or maybe get them the record, whatever. I don't think they're going to be super forthcoming. And like, if they made a, a, a small change, and that same change would help their direct competitor, whether they're homies or not. Yeah, and a lot of this is necessarily going to just tell the world, like make a post on Facebook that, you know, yeah. I figured it out. Um, but the other thing, too, with SCCA that they're famous for is protests. Like, yes. the street classes, like, if you, the, the famous one from this year was somebody had a welded-on sway bar and reinforcement tab in E Street that's not legal, and somebody protested them, and everybody lost their shit. And but it's like protests aren't bad. Like it's rule clarification. Like it's to make sure no one's like everyone is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, I, I, but there's a protests lot have never made me mad. mad. Some people get really stupid about protests, yeah. and in, in anything, my my thing with protests is I I look at the rule book as a uh even no no matter how convoluted or annoying it may be that is basically a contract of everybody who's competing in that class mm-hmm. to adhere by so we can all be friends okay right. and and so if you are blatantly cheating or something is wrong even with my vehicle i would i would want to know because it, one i don't want to win with a vehicle that isn't illegal and yeah. two well, um like you you want to make sure that we have all agreed to a level playing field, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that when you, you, I, I, I just believe you, you keep the competition more pure. If you're not overlooking shit, you know, people yeah. aren't running around with three inches of extra splitter for multiple right. years after they've been protested multiple times and they have to run all the way up to Toyota to get it figured out. I'm not going to mention any names, but we know who we're talking about. Um, you know, it, it things of that nature, um, that that sour stuff, and then people will get mad because somebody's rear wing will look like it's a little bit out, and they're like, "Man, that don't look right," and they they protest, and somebody goes over and measures it, and it's like, "Oh, okay, right. well, we're fine," you know, and and you know, but people get butt hurt because of that. I, I've never understood that. Like, you protested me, yeah, you. like it, it just looks fun. Yeah, I would. Yes, okay, cool, sweet. Let's I prove it's okay. Like yes, not only that, like if I got it that close and it is legal, then you feel like a badass. (laughs) Right. And the SCCA, what they do every year is they before nationals, they give everybody a heads up. They say, Hey, you need these five classes need to pull their two tires off their car in impound after your last run and we'll inspect give the opportunity for everybody to inspect the cars. Okay. Is there a formal thing they're looking for? Who knows? Did somebody ask if something was going to be out of bounds? Like maybe they saw something on Facebook where somebody was running, you know, something weird and they're not supposed to. Who knows? Uh, but they kind of do it as like a blanket thing. So it's not pinpointing anybody specific. Yeah. There was one year where they had this little jig that measured uh, street mods wing height during when we were getting weighed after the last run. It was like a little six inch block that sat on a ruler that went all the way out from the roof line to the back of the car. And they put it on top of your roof. And if your wing made it not level anymore, you were disqualified. Like 
it was it was pretty cool. Like I was like, oh, that's neat. I was right. My measurement was good. Um, but it means that's yeah, that's street, just decent scrutineering, though. Right. But Street Mod also has a no whiny protest rule. It's a gentleman's agreement. If someone's splitter is point five inches too big, like we're not gonna we're not gonna yell it. We're not gonna protest yeah. it. But at the same time, we're gonna be like, hey. Can you fix ne- it? Oh, yeah, you need to get that fixed for next time kind of thing. And that that's happens. That's not the reason you beat me. Like, that's not the reason I didn't get a trophy. But, like, we spend money to make our shit correct. Yeah. So you need to do it too. And normally people are like, all right, cool. Yeah, my bad. It just moved or shifted or I measured off the wrong. Shit happens. And, and, and uh, nobody, anybody who gets bent out of shape over half an inch can kiss my ass. Okay? Exactly. It's, it's people that's who, it, it, like, we're talking hard measurements you know an inch or more like that's a little different that's just plain bad measuring (laughs) exactly and getting Uh, butthurt over that i've never understood that i mean maybe maybe that's that's just me or whatever but that's rules rules are rules as dylan just said dylan says he's going to protest ourselves i think we should do that i mean that's fair and one of the things that i love about the SCCA too is like, if there's a problem, the best way to get clarification is to do a formal protest. Like, yes. And it allows them to be like, Oh yep. Our, that rule is a little gray. This car falls. They're legal, but I still want to protest it. So it's formal and it's documented. And then it's documented and then there's a precedent for it. And and that makes sense. There's nothing wrong with trying to get a precedent set. So it then if it is legal, then you know you can do that, you know, and and or something of that nature. Um, and my role in street mod is to do shit like that. So like what I did a couple years ago, when I did my radiator and I did my chassis mount wing, like I was pushing kind of the gray area because I was the way that I read the rules. It was totally fine. I looked up and got clarification that it should be fine. But once I went through and nobody protested it, it's fine. Like it's allowed to mount your wing to your to the deck floor of your trunk it's allowed to do the the radiator this way so it some sometimes you just need somebody to be willing to get protested and denied or not get protested and so, scott so. is saying uh grid life people will protest well before they mention it to the offender because it allows their times to get disqualified for the longest time it didn't disqualify times and if it's a a, a blatant issue that's a little different. If we're talking like inches or more, that's a problem. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, like with hard measurements, that's a problem. If it's a gray area, usually it isn't even a protest. And I'll be the first to tell you, I have protested stuff, but it isn't a protest. It's more of a, Hey, Abe or whoever happens to be doing it. You, you should probably go take a look at this, you know, and, and you just right. make sure. And then usually that, that is the protest. Now mm-hmm. there, It was me and like five other street mod people who protested Sally's wing when Sally was still running with uh, with uh, grid life. So she was mm-hmm. still with IEG and with grid life and all that. We protested. We, I'm telling you that wing, there is no fucking way from looking at it that it was within five inches. OK, so first they went and measured it as sitting in their pits. And with a plumb bob and everything, but the ground wasn't exactly level and they actually failed. So they took it over to the alignment pad over at Gingerman and measured it. And it was like to the millimeter perfect. But it was a bunch of us. It was we all protested it. And I tell you what, 
Every freaking one of us ate crow, but it was a formal protest. We all did it. And and it it was and and we all ate shit for it. Fred, um, the main tech here, put that whole thing together. And I'm telling you, man, he couldn't have measured that any more perfect. <laughs> it was it was so dead freaking on. I'm talking to the effing millimeter. Um, but it was legal. And uh, so one of the one of the things with SCCA too is you, it costs money to file a protest. At it used to in grid life. And I think they should bring that back. It used to be it's 20 80, bucks. It's 80 bucks to file. A maybe they should up the price because then it's worth it. I would be down to throw like now, 50 bucks on the line or something. If you were correct and they were illegal, you get your money back. If you if don't, the SCCA gets paid. The, some SCCA gets paid. Now the, it gets deeper though. So if it's like, Hey, I think this person overboard their cylinder, like, and you file the protest, they need to go and get their engine pulled and confirm that they're legal. Ooh, now, okay, that's kind of shitty. Now, who, yeah, do you got to... they are legal, the person who filed the protest has to pay the bill. Ouch. And the person, if they were illegal, the person who was illegal has to pay the bill. So what happens if somebody just says... I don't know. I'm in, I'm in, let's say I'm in club TR. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or let's say I'm in some, some stock class, some like spec Miata style class. And somebody calls me out on that shit. And then I end up being legal. And then I go to like, Hey man, you got to pay this bill for this. And then they just ghost me. D- does the SCCA like kick them out forever? And I'm just stuck with this like five, $6,000 bill because some dude hates me. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Cause I've never had to do it personally. But I know the SCCA is involved in making sure things get sorted. I, I would I would be it's interested not, to know if the SCCA then turns around and flips the bill if if they like got ghosted. If it comes back, they were legal. I, I don't. I, I think it because I'm pretty sure like you have to. It's it's not a joke. You know what I mean? Like there, I don't think yeah. there's an opportunity to ghost. I think you have to prepay. Okay, like, that would I, that's my, and that's and my with, I know those you, guys you who are doing Spec Miata like at the top bleeding edge of Spec Miata. Yeah. That's no joke. Like right. those those dudes are paying a lot of money to be there. They're paying pro level shit to be at the top. I I've heard crazy stories of like going to an engine builder to build three engines, which are essentially stock engines, but putting. Stock, three stock engines together totally just to see which one makes the most horsepower and then buying that. Right. You know, yep. like these guys aren't fucking around They and two horsepower is worth 20 grand to them. You know? So <laughs> when you're, and when that, when you have like four grand on the line, if you know yeah. you're cheating, like you're just going to, you're just going to pony up and be like, nah, don't do it. I, I'm not legal. That's true. Like, like yeah. If they what find if you out don't know, though? How much that would that suck if you didn't realize, like, your engine builder fucked you and you didn't know? These guys, like, you went to them because they build the best engines, but come to find out they've just been cheating the whole time? How much would that I mean, suck? That would suck. But hopefully you have documentation. And, you know, the, if you talk to the engine builder, like, hey, we're doing this, the engine builder would come clean so you weren't stuck with a $5,000 teardown bill. Dude, that is terrible. That would, that would suck, though. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about the engine builder not doing what they say they did. Uh, yeah, because it would be so easy. You know what I mean? Right. It would be so easy that, like, oh, man, we don't want to find another block for this. Let's just let's just fucking stick some oversized pistons in and kick them out the door. Right. He'll never know the difference. And... Know. <laughs> wow, this guy's fast. 
<laughs> oh uh, man. Yeah. So one of the other things before we before we dip or anything is one of the beauties about SCCA and about national specifically is when something breaks. Yeah. And everybody just swarms to try to to come to a solution. Yes. So this this year, Chris Cladu, the person you used in your photo. Yeah. Yeah. His sixth run, so he had two drivers. His his co-driver did his last run. He revved up to do the two-step at the launch. He didn't build enough boost, either tune issue, aspapiric issue, whatever it was, or not enough throttle, who knows. Snapped the output shaft. Just Ooh. in the trans, just snapped right in half. Yep, middle so door. being an 05, you could, if it was an open on the diff, the center diff it wouldn't move at all but you roll yeah. it up a little bit and it would get enough you know movement and it would put you'd lock the, you'd essentially try to lock the diff and then drive around in front wheel drive a little bit and then he could get back to paddock yeah he could get back to his parking spot so yep they we they figure it out they call we tried to call in the nebraska crew to figure out if we could find a you know output shaft laying around and we could nobody had one but Zach over at ZF Designs in Denver, where these were Gladys from, had one on a shelf. Surprise. Yep. He builds a bunch of transmissions. Imagine that. <laughs> they look to overnight it. And then they realize it's too expensive to overnight and they can't guarantee it'll show up like yeah. before two. Chris convinces his brother in law to pick up the part in Denver, get on a plane to Lincoln, and come hang out for a couple days round trip to deliver the part by 11 p.m. <laughs> that ended up being cheaper than the overnight shipping anyway. So, yes. you know, he got a he got a vacation out of it. And they by the time the plane landed, they already had the tail section off the transmission, the output shaft that was broken completely out of the drive shaft, and everything was ready to go back in the next morning uh, during cuz we luckily we raced heat 4 which wasn't yes. until like two in the afternoon. Uh, we worked heat one, uh, but we were able to find a replacement for Dwight, the Chris's uh, mechanic, co-driver mechanic, yeah. to work on the car during heat one. So they removed that broken output shaft and they put the brand new one back in. And if you've ever done that, that's not a fun task to do on a bench, let alone like on concrete and it's under not a car. bad on a bench, but under a car, it sucks. Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've actually helped both ways on that. And it's, it's not, yeah. not great. All the little bearings and shit that like to fall out. It's just, yep. you get it in and you're happy. So they got it all back together before the end of the third heat. And they were test driving it around and they didn't miss any more, any runs in the afternoon. It ran great. And they ended up, uh, both of them got trophies. So that's sick. You know, it's just, it's so wild that, you know, they, breaking an output shaft is shitty, but yep. I'm glad that's what it was and not something more internal. Um, so, yeah, it was, I'm it was wild. I, I got to make a plug real quick. Um, we do make aftermarket output shafts that are significantly stronger. Just throwing it that out there. Correct. Just that throwing it out there. If you guys are doing some autocross stuff and you're, you know, you're trying to leave the line hard and shit happens. Yep. It may be worth looking into. We actually built them for drag racers, but a lot of people don't realize. Autocrossers you, break shit. <laughs> autocrossers break shit too. You know, if you're going to be doing that sort of shit, it's something you might want to look into. Um, and the, the joke is to have a fuse somewhere in the system. And, you know, so that if something does need to break, it it's easy to fix. Yes. Uh, 
So having like a rear axle is diffused isn't a bad idea. No, (laughs) and that's actually like, I don't think a lot of people understand what you're saying, but uh, so long story short, what he's trying to say is if you, you have a cheap and inexpensive, easy to replace item as the thing that is going to fail, it may not behoove you to stick a stronger, beefier, more expensive item in there so it doesn't fail because it's going to find the next weakest link. And maybe that next weakest link, say like your output shaft, because he's probably got big beefy axles, an R180 diff, a good rear, uh, a good drive shaft. You know, he's got the beefy pieces up until there. And what would have maybe been a rear axle snapping now turns into the output shaft, which which is much more of a pain in the ass to not only acquire, but it's more of a pain in the ass to install. This is one of the... uh, the things we were kind of contemplating on when we were talking about um, replacing my shift finger and my trans. We're like, well, if we replace that, what's the next thing that's going to break? Am I going to start breaking forks? You know, am I going to break gears? Whatever. Um, Thankfully, um, I just went faster in other ways and stopped flat foot shifting. But uh, the... uh, uh, Still, like, if you... If something is continually breaking, let's say you do fix that, your point of failure will move. And you need exactly. to figure out, does that, is it better if that other thing breaks? Yeah, and eventually, you know, I mean, ultimately you want the tires to slip so that yes. the, the pressure just goes that way. But sometimes in, in, it doesn't In slip. a perfect I mean, world, in a perfect world, you want the fuse to be the tires. Right. <laughs> And not third gear or first gear or yes. the front pinion or the input shaft. Holy shit, that would suck. Yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to. Yeah, just I'm having a bad day. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, and that's what happens. But luckily, yep. people come together and they're like, "We can rebuild him." And then you know, they kind of, people, everyone, everyone just tears into it. Yep. So. I mean, that's half the fun. I mean, we've. I, I can't tell you how many times I not only I've been working on shit on my own car and people come over and just start lending a hand, having a good time. You know, um, I, I've always found it. It's way more entertaining to work on somebody else's car than working on your own. Um, right. And, 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 Like there is no, I don't give a fuck what it is. I can do it. You know, Let's do it. you're missing you half of your car. You just put a rod into space. Yeah, we can fix it. <laughs> we'll find, we'll find a replacement. I'll make a couple phone calls. It'll be here tomorrow. Let's just get it out. 
Yep, it, Dylan's got the old pirate up there. It's definitely pirate energy. Who wants that? that oh yeah, I, I think that's the most pirate energy you can get. Is, uh... it, it totally is. When you're over fucking up somebody else's car, it's it's the best. Um, yeah, uh, that's always good times. It's it's fun till it starts seeming like work. But if, as long as everybody's smiling and having a good time with it, then whatever. Um, Exactly. Being, uh, I can tell you, Josh is having all sorts of fun with his car right now. He's in the chat right now, and Josh is uh, they're running into all sorts of fun problems. We're not going to go into exactly what's up, but he's he's having a rough time with that car he's putting together. Um, uh, I he, think I'm familiar. Yeah, Josh. Uh, Josh might be pulling his motor. We'll see what the situation is. It's, it's an ugly situation. Scott, I swapped my clutch at your trailer at Lime Rock last year. And it was fun. Got help from everyone. There you go. See, Scott. And then we, hell, I had every fucking tool known to man. I had, that's when I had all of my, um, that was when I was at peak Milwaukee Heights. I had everything. Okay. And then, um, after that event, about two weeks later, um, almost all of it was stolen. Um, but yes, man, you, and and it was great. And people were just kind of hanging out. Hey man, you need some, Hey, I can really use this hooking you up. You, you just kind of propped your, your wheels up on the back of, I think it was Bailey's trailer and you just went to town. So you had kind of a mini lift. That was actually kind of cool. That was fun hanging out with you. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's just how it works. You know, and the same thing happens at grid life events too. That's just motorsports in general. Like if you're worried, you're not going to have help. As long as you're like a reasonably friendly person and not an asshole, more than likely people are going to help you if it's within reason. You know, oh, yeah. you, you can't expect somebody you don't know to stay up all night and kill themselves, but they might. <laughs> as long as it doesn't involve money and it's just manual labor. It's Most of the time people are like, screw it, man. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got food here, right? You got some. Yeah. If, like, if you yeah, feed so me and you got the, the, the basic tools or, you know, um, if, if the, the reality is there in some way to get it done, I'm sure. Right. It, it, people yeah. will try. Where else and are it's, you going? We're yeah. not going anywhere else. Like, That's the truth. Especially if you're staying at the track, screw it. Let's party. Um, Grid life changed my view of problems at the track, and that's how it should be. That's how any track day really should be. If you're having a bad weekend at the track, like you're a weekend at the a, a bad weekend at the track is still should be better than any weekend you're at. Same thing if you're going to like an autocross event or something mm-hmm. else. You know, I'm sure a bad weekend at nationals is still better than any weekend. <laughs> so cool. I lost you, you just I lost you again. <laughs> oh well, that's uh, all I'm saying. It's like a bad, a bad weekend at uh at at the track or a bad weekend at nationals is still better than any other weekend. So oh right, yeah, we yep. had so much smoke and dust and wind and but we still loved it, you know. Yep, I'm not going back next week because you know I can do this five days out of the year. I can't do it every week. Yep. So do you know who? Uh, oh, this is gonna kick my ass. Why can I not think of his name now? Um, Bill, why well, don't, I cannot remember his last name. He drove the BMW in the WRC event down in, he, he drove the car all the way down to Mexico. Um, oh no. Somebody in the chat, help me out. Who's the guy who drove that shit ass BMW all the way down to, uh, WRC Mexico and competed. I think he won his class. Um, it was like 20 years ago. We did this. It was forever ago. Um, and this is going to kick my ass because I, I know this guy. 
Um, he's really big in the E30s. Shit. The guy is a legend. Come on. Somebody knows who I'm talking about. Somebody in the chat. Tell me, tell me who I'm talking about. It's Bill something. It's going to kill me. Um, I'm looking it up now. Yes, that's him. Give me the freaking name. Bill Caswell. You know who Bill Caswell is? Mm. Well, that's a damn shame. Look up Bill Caswell. Long story short, this guy's kind of a legend in its own world. They even they tried to make a movie out of him. Uh um the <laughs> a, a ton of cool stories actually. He came to a bread life event, right? Um but his big thing is he he was like an accountant or something and quit his job. Um Took a, a shit uh, WR, uh, took a shit BMW, drove it all the way down to WRC Mexico, um, ran one his class and drove it all the way home. Um, it was just a, a, a huge thing. They made a movie about this guy. Well, we're going to make a movie about this guy. The guy who plays Hawkeye actually owns the rights to this movie. And the only reason the movie hasn't been made yet is because he got the job as Hawkeye. He was going to play him in the movie that he was also going to produce. And then he got the job playing Hawkeye. But long story short, um, this guy, Bill Caswell, he's kind of half drunk, hanging out, telling me all sorts of crazy shit about Daytona and crazy stuff he's done. Like after that happened, he got job offers to do all sorts of crazy shit. He drove prototypes and all sorts of stuff, right? Um, this dude's hanging out, chilling with us, and some guy with a, a kind of a crummy-ass BMW is having all sorts of crummy-ass BMW problems, and Bill Caswell just starts working on his car. The guy had no idea that the dude working on his car, how much of a legend he even was, but Bill's just like, dude, this is what's up, and just starts freaking wrenching away at the car, and and I don't, I think he still ended up turning laps. That's just, that's, that mentality, that track mentality is... And, and, you know, that pirate mentality, I guess, is that that bleeds into everything. Um, some of it is the Subaru community. Some of it yep. is is, um, you know, just people with like minded people, you know, it, with like time attack or, or autocross or whatever. Um, that's something I've I found just motorsports people in general tend to be really giving and helpful if they can be. You know, it, un, until people get shitty, people are as nice as yeah. they are. It's it's the truest form of innocent till proven guilty. Right. And I want to race with you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want. Yes. Oh, nobody wants to win because your car broke. Right. That's not a win. No. Nah. You know what I mean? And I, I, that sucks. Nobody wants to see that. Okay. So that's no fun for anybody. All right, well, I'm going to open the floor up to some questions. Does anybody have any questions for Drew pertaining to autocross things? Um, maybe goofy AN fittings? Um, don't you have some cool guy fittings you just recently produced that allow you to replace your crossover pipe with AN fittings? Yeah. That is sick. That is something yeah. I think uh, Dylan and I are probably going to uh, work on stealing from you in the, uh, in the offseason. I've got I got a couple sets still available, but it's uh it converts the factory coolant crossover on the top of the engine to an ORB fitting. So then you can run it to a swirl pot, you can join it up and do uh, 
a tee fitting and kind of routed around. What do you uh, think of that, Dylan? <laughs> I mean, you guys did it on something. You've done it on. A, no, I think we have, but we we I think I we've made them, but you actually produced it. Yeah, I I have I still have probably about ten or so on hand. I got okay. I made a run of them last year. That's cool. Um, but yeah, it's just the weird stuff like that. Um, but once you get deeper into the AN stuff with ORBs and clamshells and you know how to convert stuff over and upsizing and downsizing fittings and hoses, it gets spicy. You know, you just gotta. You know you what you should do? You should literally make a. 2015 steering rack into everything kit like you need this size washer if you're using this subframe for that because yep. it's slightly offset you should you you should that uh more sport piece is kind of funky like make something in that same ballpark and lines and everything i mean i'm holding to, on to it i have i have the more sport piece in my hand right now yeah, um, I'm. I've got one going onto my car right now too. I'm. I'm finally going to be switching off the uh, 07 STI rack, so hopefully I don't have to shuffle steer as much anymore. Yeah, and the steering rack stuff is spicy because, as you guys know at IAG, getting the right pressure line yeah. is a whole different game. Uh, and finding a pressure tester that can get it high enough to where you can confirm it's good yep. is uh is fun too. Uh, that's one thing that people forget with power steering is it's really high IN. pressure yeah you can use a normal in fitting uh, i found that out the hard way yeah most people do uh <laughs> i'm like this will be steering. fine this ain't fine <laughs> it sucks it sucks when it's a small leak it really sucks when it's the fitting blows up <laughs> yeah yeah oh well, well, for structure. me it was the hose the hose exploded right oh even better so. Yeah, well, thankfully, <laughs> like, I don't know, we had it fixed in about two hours because we had the shit yeah. to fix it, but, right. um, like, uh, yeah, you know, you learn things. You you really don't yeah. have a concept of how much pressure that's under till you realize it. Um, yeah, in a split uh, stainless braided line, you're like, ooh, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Mark 1 Lap Escher... I'm not sure who that is. I'm assuming he's a GTI guy. Driving race cars to the track is fun, but not fun. No, driving race cars to the track is awful. <laughs> it's it's awful. It's I like I, it's it is awful it, because you are worried the entire time that you have to drive that thing home. You're worried driving there. Like, yeah. Yeah, especially if you're in like a time attack power. car, if you got like a splitter, maybe your tires are. Oh man. Yeah. Um. Oh, he's a guy at NJMP with an '84 GTI. Yeah. Yeah, dude, trailer. <laughs> It'll change your life. Um, Do it. Yep. Uh, it was a joke. It's the. It's I've I lived that life. I did that with my old five STI for a, a while. I even drove all the way to Road Atlanta and back like that from Chicago. Um stupid <laughs> it's yeah. stupid um don't do that uh josh i love field repair you need to live more dangerously shit yeah i dude half of my fucking car is field repair i think dylan found that out pulling my steering rack out today um we'll need to start building you some more spare hoses then do we yeah it's just field replacement not field yeah repair. So i'm hoping that's that's where we want to get in the future where this thing settles and then yeah. we're we're working on nothing but the outside of the car 
And then so mm-hmm. we can we can do things like we should probably have a spare this and a spare that and you know some basic stuff. I mean, you know, IEG's got enough spare pelican cases, you know. Just have a pelican case for each thing. He ain't wrong. <laughs> Someday. You guys we don't actually, need these, right? Hey, we haven't used the pelican know. cases in a long time. We're just yep. sitting there, take them. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no shit. These are all beat to shit anyway, so whatever. Perfect. Um, that's what you need. That's exactly what I need. I'll just stack a whole shitload of random pelican cases in my trailer. Label. I can, re- I can rebuild label. a whole boogie. <laughs> no, with my <laughs> luck, I'm not going to label it. Or I'm going to put it on there with a post-it note with intentions of labeling it, and the post-it note will fall off. Your kid walks in there and just moves all the post-its. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what would happen. He stacks them all up in one spot. Like, thanks. <laughs> you left these in the trailer, Dad. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. All right. Well, I think we're going to call it. If nobody's got any questions, no big deal. I mean, we went for an hour and a half on dodging cones and other stuff. What got you into dodging cones? Uh, so I bought my 05 STI on Halloween of 2004. Okay. And I saw a post on NASIC in the Southeast region's uh, kind of board. And they're like, hey, there's an autocross here. And I was like, that sounds cool. And I, uh, so I registered for it and I got lost in Hialeah. Um, and then I found it and then I met some of the best people in my life, the Postolito racing crew. And we autocrossed like mad from 05 to 2008. We probably did between two and three events a month, basically the entire time. It was so, it was so much. Oh, fun. you went hard. So, yeah. It, the biggest thing for me with autocross is like in any sport really is you find your group. You know yep. what I mean? Like you find your people and then you kind of just embrace it. Like, yeah, this is what we did. You know, we I were agree. all over South Florida, the West coast of Florida. We went up to Daytona and, uh, you know, a little bit further South of there. And it was just, it was a wild time. And it's just kind of the niche that I started building for, you know, and it's once you get a little too built, too niche i guess you could say um it's tough to branch it's tough to pull out of it so uh i i very much like the 35 dollar entry fee and the one day commitment um so it's it's tough to turn that down no that is that is one of the massive advantage especially like let's say grid life some of those events are three or four days and they're halfway across the country and so realistically it's not just one day semi-local it's you're you're driving halfway across the country to get to a particular track for three days for you know eight nine hundred dollar entry fee um Mm -hmm. yeah i get it i I totally get it i say that at the same time as having three sets of z40s and hoosiers and all this other shit so it's Uh, not uh, really a dollar if if you're going to compete at the bleeding edge of any any motorsport, it's going to be expensive. Okay. Right. It just regardless is. of what the entry fee is. I think it, it all <laughs> ends up costing the same amount. So <laughs> that's terrifying. <laughs> yep. But you're not wrong. You're definitely I mean wrong. it's it's just the truth, man. It's it's yeah. just the truth. So um I don't care what you're doing, it is what it is. Right. Oh, but, right. I mean, like you said earlier, spec Miata, they spend 40 grand on an engine block. Or, so. What was spec Miata was supposed to be cheap. The whole concept of that is let's take this cheap car that handles really well and let's all race them evenly. And then the same car. people spend 
tens of thousands of dollars to make it as uneven as they possibly can. And it's two horsepower. <laughs> For two horsepower. Like, how like, how much is it going to cost me to tip these scales? And, right. and, like, people are willing to pay it for their freaking, you know, gift card to Wendy's. Like, you, there's nothing to win at the end of this shit. They're still <laughs> mid-pack. Yeah. <laughs> there's always some dude with more money. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Roger Penske's nephew is still going to destroy you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's also more talent. So, like, you're always going to run into more money and more talent. So you just got to kind of have to figure out which one you can throw the most at and try yep. to do well. Yep. Really it is what to. it is. You you can offset in almost any motorsport. You can offset talent with money. <laughs> almost. Yeah. Almost. Unless <laughs> you do, like, you know, street spec autocross, then you're kind of – you're about to be humbled by – that's that's one of the things I really like about uh, five year old guy driving a BRZ. I, I really like street modified and grid life. And I'm assuming one of the reasons you, you like street modified where you're at is unless somebody comes in somebody else's very prepped car, yeah. they have to somehow acquire an extremely prepped car. It's not just acquire the right car. It's acquire the right car that is also prepped specifically for that class and then yeah. show up. Exactly. And it's not something that you can build in, in a year either. No, like most, that's not something most, most, most that's not something you can even like you you like a year if you really knew what the hell you were doing, maybe. Um, but that's something you really need to develop into. You know, it's not you can't just throw, you know, a set of tires on a stock BRZ and go go bang, you know what I mean? Right. And even like cause you can throw 50 60 grand out of build and get it done but is it going to compete against the guy who's been doing this for 15 years in the same car no who has probably spent maybe the same amount of money as you but he he has he or she has that that setup developed you know that is a that is there's i mean it's it's like coilovers i've said this before a well set up set of shit coilovers will outperform a shit set up set of freakishly expensive coilovers every time yeah. So I would prefer the good ones so that they could be set up better. But you know. I, I agree. There's <laughs> like the ceiling is much higher, but it's, you know, if, if you see it's, it's one of those, you know, there may have been particular people out there running or a particular starts with B ends with Schwan, um, you know, <laughs> junk, Taiwanese coilovers, they're sponsored by them. So people then say, well, this person's running those. Right. You know, they must be great. Um, and really it's they're being paid to run those. And and there's there's a lot to that. You know what I mean? Um, you right. know, and, and then it just it gets it gets deeper too, like when you look into the YouTube and you look into where this is going and like kind of follow the trail, it you just gotta you just gotta you can't look at the surface, you know, when you're trying to pick no, out you art. you can't. You like can't it's not, and, it's and it's what someone has in stock that they're trying to push. It's not what the some sponsored guy with the graphics all over his car is running. Like you want to yep. talk to people that have actually set them up and done it and mm-hmm. use it. Because most people you're gonna find they have opinions and they're usually not like pigeonholed into one brand. Like if yes. you find someone who's like only this, this is the only one you can run. You have to ask. You have to figure out why they're saying that. Yeah, and it's usually because. I mean, it, it's a it's a 
a perfect example of that. And I will be the, like, if you were to come up to me and you see a big old fortune auto sticker on the side of it, when I go, when they ask me what coilovers should I run? And the first thing I tell them is fortune auto. I have to be real. You <laughs> as a consumer should take that with a grain of salt and do your own research. Okay. Because yeah. I have a big sticker on the side of my car. Now I, I'm not paid by Fortune Auto, but I'm not going to lie. I get support from Fortune Auto. Now, I run Fortune Autos because I've been with them a very long time. You know, there's a lot with that relationship on why I maintain that relationship, and I really like their product. But I would be stupid to say that, like, Owens, uh, MCS, uh, Moton, you know, something like if you were to spend a freakish amount more money that you aren't going to get a, a superior product or whatever. It's just, you know, it's if, if I were, if what were to come out of my mouth is the only thing you should purchase is fortune auto. Um, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a really stupid area of the Dunning Kruger curve. If I'm, right. you know, that's falling out of my mouth. Um, you know, and that, and that's part of it too. It's like, you know, if someone comes up and asks you for advice, you're not going to give them something that's just, out of a brochure no you want you're going to figure out what they actually need before you tell them like if someone's going to buy $1,100 you're not going to tell them to buy mcs's no you know and that's 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 the difference difference. but i'll be the first one to tell you if somebody comes up to me and says i got $1,100 i want to take my car to the track what coilover should i buy i would say (laughs) you need to skip a track day and you need to (laughs) save some money and you need to buy some coilovers that aren't shit here's the minimum i would get and right. you know, it lay that out, but that's having those conversations. Having a, that's that's the flip side of this. Having a a uh, somebody who's willing to tell somebody, you know, you at a, your minimum should be this, or telling them like instead of grabbing the quick sale, telling them really what they need to hear. There's yeah. another side to that too, but I, you should always, no matter what parts or whatever you see somebody running. Um, you know, with stickers on the side of their car or whatever, by all means, have a conversation with them to see what that, you know, what the situation is with that, but take it with a grain of salt, me being one of them. Okay. Yeah. My favorite bit is talking to people about what they want to do. I do. That's, that's the thing I love the most because Dude, everyone the, has a different plan. They have a different goal. It is so much fun. The conversation is rough times though. Like, yeah. I, I had a guy I was talking to today and I, this is, this is a daily topic, you know, and I ask him, so what do you use the car for? And oh. well, I want to make yeah. 500 wheel or I, I want to make 700 wheel or what, what do you there use you the car for? Oh, I want to make 700. You just want to make 700 horsepower. Like what do you use the 700 horsepower for? Well, come to find out it's his daily. And right. he goes to parking lot meets every once in a while. And I'm like, yeah. dude, you need 450. And, right. and I had a whole conversation about let's do this. And, you know, you have to go down the road of what 700 actually is and all that. Or the flip side of stuff, you know, these guys who are like, it, it, like they're, they're like, I want 700 horsepower. I want to go to the track. I don't think you know what that's about, you know, or right. the flip yet or you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, they're definitely worried about like lag or something like that, you know, and, and, you know, they feel that 
putting any larger of a turbo on their car may be a problem. You know, you run into that all over the place, but getting people to actually tell you what they want to use the car for is so hard sometimes because all they're looking at is I want 500 horsepower. Right. (laughs) You need to get the fuck away from Instagram. Do you just want, if you want to do Instagram, let me know. Like we can do Instagram. And then what's your budget? I don't have one. Uh, Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. What really is your budget? Because I could, I, yeah, dude, yeah. I could light a hundred thou on fire tomorrow. <laughs> you have a budget. It's fine. I don't care what it is. I just need to know what it is, so I don't tell you to buy something you don't need. Yeah. So we get halfway right. into this, and you go, and it doesn't get done, and then they're mad, which happens. Right. Yeah, it does. It's a it's the beauty about the sport. You know, people like to talk about stuff, and you kind of have to get them racing so that they can change their mind. Cause like Dude, one of the best things oh I could God, tell anybody and I've screamed it over and over is if you have any plans on doing competition, read the fucking rule book before you start building a car <laughs> and people don't do that. They're just like, I want all this stuff. And then they end up in, you know, open or whatever that you were talking about classes that were sticking yeah. people against like prototypes and weird shit, you know, yeah. like, they don't real in it all because they decided to remove door cards. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what are you doing, dude? They always, well, always, always, if you're going to modify yeah. a car, figure out it, it, and you want to compete with it. If you want to compete with it, look at the damn rule book. Right. Read it twice. And then ask Read somebody it. who knows about yeah. the rule book. Yeah. Maybe go to an event before you build a car for the event. Right. Holy shit, that's the car that's in street mod? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how All do right. I build a street car? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jack how do I? Really, I just want I want to go to Wendy's, dude. I just want to look <laughs> like I'm cool. Hey, that's not a problem. We'll get you set up, bud. Or Burger King. I think Burger King's more yeah. popular in the chat. Yeah, in this chat, Burger King's where it's at. <laughs> so we got you. Um. All right, guys, we're going to call it. Um, this has been a fun one. Drew, I love having you on. We'll try to have you on again. Um, this is always a good time. So I appreciate it. Um, if, if you guys do need to contact Drew, what's the easiest way to get a hold of you? Um, if they're looking for AN fittings or maybe they're out in the Iowa area and need some support, um, you are an IEG dealer. What's your, uh, yeah. what's your situation? Uh, you can email me sales at penguingarage.com you can track me down on instagram or facebook at penguin garage uh, you can track down my personal page on facebook or instagram i'm the moron with the beard and sunglasses so it's not hard to find and then penguingarage.com right yep penguingarage.com i yep. also have a facebook group called pghq which is kind of our comings and goings of the shop itself so okay. people are welcome to join that group too it's just kind of a place to ask random questions if you don't want to call me on a Saturday or something too. So Drew's also a uh, moderator on track Subies. Um, He's really big on the whole hashtag Subers to the top also. So um, yep. All right, guys. Uh, It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. And we will see you next time later.